doors are opening. Restaurants, retails, and thank you, God, churches. I said last week, though, in the spirit realm, there's some doors that got opened during this, and quite frankly, I think was just exposed that they were already open before this, that we opened in the spiritual realm in our house and in our lives that's being exposed because you know what? The devil can't get in unless you open the door. And the two doorways to the mind and to the spirit is the eyes and the ears. You got to be careful what you're reading, what you're looking at. You got to certainly be careful what you're hearing. I'm talking about we live, we live in a listening generation. You walk around in this society, you see earphones in people's ears everywhere you look. I'm telling you what, they ain't just got them on to take a, take a phone call. No, while they're walking, doing life, they're listening to music, they're listening to podcasts, they are constantly having voices pouring into their ears and pouring into their mind. You better be careful and you better protect the doorways of your house. I'm talking about your house where you live, mamas and daddies, husbands and wives, but I'm also talking about the house that's called the house of God. Know you not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Don't be listening to people that's trying to come against the word of God. I ain't got time for that mess. You're being bombarded by negative hype, fear, every day. You're being hit daily from media. And most of the people in the media are anti-church and anti-God. Many of them are anti-faith. This morning, this morning, while I'm looking over my notes, I read an article from the Washington Post. And this came out last week. And I'm sure it was a reference uh, to uh, the president coming out, or it was this week with the president coming out and saying, you know, I want to say that I believe that all churches are essential. When he said that, I'm sure it was a reference to that. But it said in this article, the evangelical born-again church, I promise you it said this in the Washington Post, will be responsible for millions of deaths around the world. That the greatest problem, this is what this author said in the Washington Post, that the world has is Christian and Jesus-believing people. This is what he said. Nobody, you would have never dreamed that anybody in America would ever be able to write that article. But it's in the Washington Post right now. I'll share it with you if you want to watch it. Read it. Because I read it. This is what he said. Here's why he said it. He said, the reason Christians are the biggest problem in coming out of this is they believe in an afterlife. I'm going to tell you what he said. He said, they believe that if they die, it's not over. But us atheists care more about the health of our lives and of our country because we believe this is all we got when it's over, it's over. So because we believe to be absent from the body is present with the Lord, he is accusing the church, and I promise you there's a millions of people that believe the same way that just don't want to say it, that because we believe in a heaven, oh, y'all ain't hearing me, that we have somehow been the problem. Can I tell you something? I believe in heaven, <laughs> and I also believe in hell. And I got news for those that say that they believe that when it's over, it's over. It ain't over. You may think it's over, but it ain't over. Oh, no, 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 no. You're going to go up or you're going to go down. Come on.
There is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. The same Bible that tells me about heaven, the same Bible that tells me about Jesus is the same Bible that tells me about hell and tells me about Satan. This world is trying to get you to conform. Are y'all hearing me? This world is trying to get you to forsake what you believe. Paul told us, Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. We were all born to this world. The only way you can be transformed into something else is that you used to be like the world. See, I gave the example last week that word transformed in the original Greek is the word metamorphosis, where we get metamorphosis, and it, it, it literally means why we use the word metamorphosis. It gives the illustration of a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. Huh? A caterpillar may not realize it until he sees another butterfly, and he realizes, my God, we're, you're beautiful. Who's your mom and daddy? And he shows them a picture of his mom and daddy and his two caterpillars. And they're like, how, wait a minute, how do you look like that and, you, and your mom and daddy look like that? The butterfly, if he could talk, the butterfly would say, oh, I used to look just like that until I transformed. See, the, there ain't no butterfly longs to be a caterpillar again. But caterpillars, when they see butterflies, can't wait to be one. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. I'm telling you, that's what happens when you go from darkness to light. That's what, that's what happens when you go from the old man is dead and dies, locked up in a cocoon. But one day, because of Jesus, you come out of that cocoon and you come out transformed. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. I'm trying to get my introduction done. If y'all shout a little bit more, I'd hurry up. Why y'all want me to hurry up? Huh? Now watch this. The world is trying to convince the Christians to go back to being a caterpillar. Now look, don't you twist my words. I'm not talking about if you, uh, the advice of being safe, I'm not talking about social distancing, I'm not talking about masks, I'm not talking about gloves, I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about they're trying to take your faith away from God and putting it into man. The only way you can be transformed, what Paul said, don't be conformed to this world, be transformed, is by the renewing of your mind. So here's what I want to tell you today. And I'm going to go fast. If the only way you can be transformed into the good is by the renewing of your mind, then the enemy knows the way to attack you and take you back is to get stuff in your mind that renews or digresses your mind back into the sin state in which you were born. Are y'all hearing me? He goes on to say that when you have your mind renewed, 
That is the only time you can prove to the world what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Now, I want you to hear something. Today, part two of Open Doors is called Shut the Door. And every time I say it, I knew, I thought I said, I ain't going to do it, but now I got to do it. Shut the door, keep out the devil. Shut the door, keep the devil in the night. Shut the door, the door keep out the devil. Light the candle, everything's all right. Light the candle, everything's all right. Okay. If you are not at least 40, you've never heard that before in your life. If you didn't get saved... Until you were in your 50s, you've never heard that. Somebody shout, shut the door. I want to shut this door. There's a few doors I need to slam shut today. Oh, I want to open some next week. But I'm going to shut some today. I'm going to slam this first one shut. And that is this, the local church gathering is a thing of the past and no longer as essential as it used to be. You got a lot of church people saying that. I need a door. That's right, I need a door. Next week, somebody build me a door on a frame that I can slam shut. This lie has been attempted to be sold for generations. It is an attempt to make people believe the church is no longer relevant. I want you to understand something. You've got to get this. I was shocked by this. Well, I shouldn't have been shocked, but I was. And that was this. This came out this morning by one of the leading uh, surveyors and studiers of the health of the church. During the pandemic shutdown of church services, watch this. And I'm thankful. I believe this number is much higher in our church. 48% of active church goers, when surveyed last week as churches begin to reopen, 48% of active church goers say they have watched any church online in the last four weeks. Oh, you didn't hear that. That means 52% has not, let me read it again. Churchgoers say that they have watched any church online. So 52% of active church attenders has not watched church, their church or any church, in the last month. That's right. That's what I'm saying. I think our, our numbers are much higher. But this is across the board, all denominations. Listen to this. Only, this is the one that killed me, only 40% of those that watched online services admitted that they watched their own home church. In other words, they admitted that during this time, they went online church shopping. 23% said during the entire time they streamed another church. 
23, almost a quarter, it'd be like 25% of you for the last eight weeks said, you know, I might go back when it goes back, but until then, I'm going to watch everybody else in the world. How can you stay connected? How can you stay in the vision? How can you be a part of something when you don't even make an attempt? Oh, y'all ain't hear me. It's because, let me tell you why it's happening. It's because way before this pandemic happened, the body of Christ began to open doors and embrace thinking and mentality in the local church, and we got soft. We got weak. The church is supposed to be the most powerful force on this earth next to the Holy Spirit. But the church has become scared to even say the name Jesus. Let alone speak in tongues and believe in God for the gifts of the Spirit. I wish I had somebody to help me preach. Shut the door. When you try to tell me, you try to come at me and tell me the local church is not important, I'm going to slam the door in your face. Huh? Boom. You talk to me through the ring doorbell, baby. You ain't coming in my house. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says, watch this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope, listen, without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Listen, and let us consider one another in order to stir up, oh, y'all ain't hearing me, love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Do you notice the word day? What's significant about it? It's capitalized, setting it aside, not just the day today, not just when the sun comes up tomorrow, but the day, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ for his church, the end of the church dispensation age. When you begin to see this thing winding down, baby, you don't need less church, you need more church. But we like to quote that one and we should. But we got to read it in context. He says, here's why you don't need to forsake the assembly of yourselves, as the manner of some is. It is because when we do, we hold fast to our confession. But he says, when we do meet, we consider one another, and we stir up love and good works. Not just in us, but in others. I'm telling you, some of you, when I see you, my spirit is lifted. Listen, I'm not saying I got favorites or whatever, but there are people that, that help me when I'm preaching. And some of y'all, I'm not just talking about shouting amen, and I'm not putting anybody above a pestle. But when I look into certain sections that I'm preaching on something a little controversial, I'll just sort of stop and look at them. Because I know if they're in the house, I got somebody with me. I'm telling you right now, there are just something about it. Oh, I know some people just suck the joy out of you. I know it, but I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about, I need to come to church because I need to be encouraged. I need to be loved. I need to have the gifts stirred up inside of me. I need to feel my brothers and sisters loving me. <laughs> I need it. I need it. If I'm the only one, let me be the only one. But if I'm not the only one, get up on your feet right now and scream. It's me. It's me. It's me. It's me. 
Sit down. Sit down. I know I just told you to stand up. Now tell you, sit down. Would you try to come at me with church? You ain't got to go to church to be the church. First of all, people that say that are not the church. You're going to let that one sink in. You might have a random few that are, but people that say that, say that to shut you up inviting them to church. Same ones that say, well, you know, bless God, I'd go to church, but, you know, them places are full of hypocrites. Well, you going to let a hypocrite cause you to go to hell with them? Is this a sweet enough online sermon? Please come back next week. Here's another one I want to slam shut. Fear. Fear. I feel like Bruce Lee. Actually, I feel like Elvis. In his blue suit. Fear. No other door has been swung open faster than the door of fear. It is being promoted on a daily basis in every aspect of our lives. Media. Our neighbors. Our neighbors are turning us in, y'all, for cooking out. Co-workers taking pictures of people shaking hands. Church leaders, pastors. This is the fact. Turning other pastors in. One church in Mississippi last week that made the decision, not condoning this, I'm just telling you what they did. He's the pastor of that church. He made the decision to defy the order. They had church, unlimited amount of people, didn't have a building as big as you know this building to spread out. The people in the community rose up against them. The neighborhood turned him in. He said, I'm still going to have church. And guess what? In the middle of the night, somebody came in and burned the church to the ground. And wrote in giant letters on the side of the parking lot, hypocrite. Burned the church to the ground. Because, not because they did anything to hurt anyone. Because they decided to have church. Burned it to the ground. Fear is a liar. Somebody needs to write a song about that or something. That'd be probably make a hit. Listen to what. It does already exist. There is one. That could have been my ticket. Second Timothy. Second Timothy 1.7 says this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Let me tell you something. That's a shouting line if you stop right there. But I thank God for the comma. Comma. But this is what he did give us. Power, love, and a sound mind. Somebody ought to praise him right now. Ha, 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 ha. Woo! 
Say this with me. For God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Give him praise. Now, I like to read scripture and I like to quote the famous scriptures, but I like to, I like to quote and read the ones that's before it and the ones that's after it. It's called context. So we just read 1 Timothy 1.7. Let's see what 1 Timothy 1.7 was a result of. 1 Timothy 1.6. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hand. But what are we being told to be afraid of? Laying on of hand. Y'all need to come back next week because I got a big announcement on that one. I ain't going to do it today because God told me to do it next week. Because next week, y'all know what next week is? It's Pentecost Sunday. It's the church's birthday. So he says, I want to remind you. How many of you don't remind somebody of something unless it's already an established fact or they've seen a pattern where you used to do something and you don't do it anymore? I want to remind you to stir up the gift of God. Stir up the gift of God this week. When I think about that scripture, stir up the gift of God this week, you know what I think about? I think about the, the man that was laying at the pool of Bethesda. Huh? And Jesus come by and sees him, see, sees him laying there. He says, what's up, man? Why, why are you laying here? He goes, he goes, every season, the angel comes down and stirs the waters. And the first one that gets in the water is healed. And I have no man to put me in the water. Woo. Jesus said, well, let me just tell you something. I'm, I know I'm, I, I'm the one that sent the angel to stir the water. So let, let me just stir up the gift of God that's within you. Get up and walk. You don't need a man to throw you in the water. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the living water. And he got up and walked. So I believe what Jesus was trying to teach us at the pool of Bethesda is that we got a pool of Bethesda inside of every one of us as believers. It's called the Spirit of God. But let me tell you something. When you open the door to fear, fear will come in and stagnate that water. It's supposed to be living water. It's supposed to be moving. It's supposed to be changing people's lives. Listen, water can save your life, but if it ain't got a way for fresh water to come in and old water to go out, it becomes stagnant and it is no longer safe for you to drink. You need to be drinking something that's moving. Come on, somebody. Oh, I said you need to be drinking of a fountain that's moving. Stir it up. Somebody shout, stir it up. By the laying on of hands. Shut the door. Let's, let's, just, let's, just, let's just go ahead and say it. Let's just go ahead, okay? I've already said all this. I might as well go ahead and say what I want to say. Let's just go ahead and say it. Laying on of hands of the sick is a part of the Great Commission. You don't believe me? This is, this is the last. This is Matthew 28 records part of it. Mark chapter 16 records another part of it. It's the same conversation that Jesus was having with his disciples. 
Mark 16 says it this way. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Nobody doubts that's the Great Commission. Matthew 28 says go into all the world and preach the gospel. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever commands you. And lo, I'll be with you in the ends of the age. You ever heard that? Say amen. Mark 16 records it this way. It gives us a little bit more of what Jesus said. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Oh, by the way, I guess that means you, you got to repent. That's another word that's a cuss word in modern churches. Verse 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I got so much going on inside of me right now that I'm having to filter it. In a whole, the Holy Ghost is filtered. I'm not, I'm not compromising. The Holy Ghost is saying, use wisdom. This, that's, that's coming next week. Give them one more week to chew on what you said today. Somebody shout, shut the door on fear. Ooh, I got another big one. Mm, this might be one I have to sing. For it to go down a little easier might make you want to receive it. If I sound like <laughs> no, <laughs> door number three, what's behind door number three? I'm going to slam this door shut. Here it is. Door number three that I'm shutting. The government is your source and protector. Boom. Now wait a minute before you twist my word. I'm not talking to Americans. Got quiet. Because in America, this is Memorial Day, in America we understand our government protects our freedom. Protects us on many levels. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking to Americans. I'm talking to kingdom-minded believers. The natural side of me is protected by my country. But the ultimate determination of my destiny is not in the hands of a politician. Are y'all hearing me? Oh, listen, I'm going to vote. I'm going to vote for who I want to vote for, and you vote for who you want to vote for. But ultimately, whoever wins or whoever loses, I can tell you this, what I've learned. I've lived through a lot of administrations, and I found one thing to be true. Whether they're Republicans or Democrats, I don't trust either one of them. But I can tell you this, in the middle of all administrations, there's one that I can trust. He's the King of Kings, and he's the Lord of Lords. He ain't changed. His word ain't changed. He is still true, and let every man and be a liar. Is this camera working right here? Can y'all give me this camera? I'm, I'm like Rod Parson right now. Give me that camera. I feel like I'm on TBN right now. 
Is it real scary at home? Is it scary? Especially when I do this. No, no, no. I'm, 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 I'm acting like, act like a distinguished preacher. Shut the door. Keep out the devil. Shut the door. I'm sorry. I don't even know what I was about to say to you, but it was going to be cool. It was going to be awesome. Let me tell you something. It is incredible to me. The number of people, and I got in capital letters in my notes, and preachers who have turned to the government for everything they need on every level. I'm not saying it's wrong to turn to the government for need in times of tragedy, in times of assistance, period. Please do not misunderstand me. I'm saying in everything. Whatever is my source in everything is my source. My job may pay me money to pay Alabama power, but my job is not my source. My job takes care of me because my source has moved on my job to take care of me. Y'all ain't hearing me. Here's my question to you today. Who's your daddy? Huh? Who's your daddy? Who's, your, who, who's the church's baby daddy? Huh? Who's your daddy? Is it Uncle Sam or is it the creator of the universe? Oh, let me tell you something. He existed before we did, and if we ain't hearing him all, he's still going to exist. How about this one? You got all excited and said thank you, Jesus, when you got your stimulus check, but you didn't even tithe on it. Doing a dance in your kitchen. Woo, look what the Lord has done. And the Lord said, okay. Appreciate the acknowledgement. Are you going to steal from me? Well, there's still time to tithe. On the stimulus check, I sound like Little Sweet. If Little Sweet was a pastor, Little Sweet would preach like this. Little Sweet said, grab your Bible, stand up, say, I believe the Bible was written and preserved for a thousand years for me. Little Sweet. <laughs> Woo, I'm drunk in the Holy Ghost, y'all. I'm having fun. Could y'all tell? Are y'all having fun? How many knows it's good to be in a place where you can laugh and have a good time and be fed the word of God? Jesus made it very clear that we are to obey those who are in rule over us. Are you hearing me? The word of God's very clear on that. You know, you get pulled over by the police, they got the authority to pull you over. Now, we ain't going to go any further in that discussion because everybody can do things that they don't have the authority to do and bad things. If, if somebody, you want to talk about authority? Watch this. You got a little Barney Fife. Barney, just imagine Barney Fife on Mayberry. And he's, he's just standing out in the middle of the highway and he holds up his badge and his uniform and an 18-wheeler is coming. If that 18-wheeler can see him enough time, how many of those Barney Fife is going to stop an 18-wheeler? 
Because that's the authority structure in which we have, and we go with that authority structure. We have presidents. We have vice presidents. We have, we have Congress. We have Supreme Court. We have all these things that we obey and we come up under because we are Americans. Are you hearing me? Oh, by the way, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, look, I'm just going to have to read it because it's in my notes, okay? Uh, because I'm, uh, okay, I'm just going to read it. I'm going to read what my note says. Jesus made it very clear that we are to obey those who are in authority to us. That means both parties. Does this microphone work? Because like a while ago, y'all shot me down, but y'all got real quiet then. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Do you want me to read the rest of my notes? Because all I'm going to do is just read what my notes say. Okay, this, this means I was under the anointing when I wrote it. This is what I said. It amazes me. The number of people who choose to say, he's not my president. Now, wait a minute. Before you think I'm talking about 45 or Donald Trump, I heard it during Bush. I heard it during Clinton. I heard it during Obama. And I'm hearing it during Trump. Only thing that's different is I got a different group saying it now. There's a different group saying when Obama was there. And people are getting mad. Well, yes, he is your president. We ain't got but one president on this side now. No, he ain't my president. Oh, yes, he is your president. No, he ain't my president. Can I tell you something? Do you understand? That's a double-minded mind. Nobody's asking you to love them. Nobody's asking you to agree with them. How about this? Pray for them. Because they got the power to bless your life or mess up your life. I'd, really, I'd rather be blessed than messed. Look at your neighbor and tell him, <laughs> be a blessing to somebody, not a messing on somebody. Mm. Watch this. Say this with me. Say this with me. You ain't going to like it, but say it with me. Whoever is the president is my president. But he is not my king. Listen. The president is not my source. The president is not my king. The vice president is not my source. The Congress is not my source. The Supreme Court is not my source. Let me tell you something. If you don't agree with what I just said, I want to know who your source is. I want to know what are you a part of. Are you really a part of the body of Christ? Because the truth is, when I stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, he is not going to ask me my political equation. He is not going to ask me who I voted for. He's going to look at my life. He's going to look at my heart. He's going to look at a book called the book of life and he's either going to say depart from me you worker of iniquity I never knew you or he's going to say well done thy good and faithful servant and can I make it easy for you. He's going to say it to Democrats. He's going to say it to Republicans. He's going to say it to independents. He's going to say it because it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on if you've asked Jesus to come into your heart and save you and your name is written in the Lamb's book of life I ain't got no right to tell you you ain't going to heaven
I don't preach politics. That's probably the most politics I've ever said in, in 25 years. But this is a different environment. I need, to, I need to try, as a pastor, I need to try to get some people's heads straight. I need to do it. I'm like the eye doctor. I'm doing them A, B, 1, 2, 3, C. I'm trying to find you some clarity again. I'm trying to help you see through spiritual eyes what's going on. Has Facebook shut me off again? Because I think they shut me off last time. Am I still going? Okay. I wouldn't be surprised if they want to shut us off. No, we don't care. You're right. We don't care. We'll start. Listen, I'm ready for the church to start their own streaming service. Watch this. I'm closing. James chapter 1, verse 16 says this. Listen, listen. I'm closing. I really am. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. We're being deceived. You know, I, I, I'm going to say this one more time, and I'm not saying it again, because I'm tired of having to qualify every statement I'm saying. So I'm, I'm going to say it, I'm going to qualify it this time, and then I'm moving on. Understand nothing, nothing that I am preaching Nothing that I believe, nothing that I'm saying is coming against any health advisement, is coming against anyone's personal decision, is coming against anyone who doesn't feel comfortable to go here, go there. It has, I am not preaching against people's personal safety and their decisions. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the mind. Are we all clear? I don't have to explain that again, right? You know my heart, right? Okay. Be not deceived, my beloved brethren. Because here's the reality. In the mind and in the heart, we are being deceived. Watch this. Because I asked you who your daddy was. I asked you who your source was. Watch this. Verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from where? Above. And comes down from who? The Father of lights, with whom there is no variation and shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wow. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Then he goes on to say, he loves. See, though Jesus gave a parable. He said, you know, he talked about, you know, God being a good God. And he said, you being evil. And what he didn't mean by being evil, he meant carnal, human. You being evil, carnal, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more shall your heavenly Father give good things to them that ask? Oh, come on, somebody. Ain't that what the Word of God said? So it's the Word of God said. We have a good God. He's still a good God in the middle of a pandemic. 
He's still a good God when the economy is crashing and burning. He's still the same God. He was the same God through the bubonic plague. He was the same God through, give me another one. I don't know all them plagues. Spanish flu. He was still God. He was still God when the early Christians, the very first Christians that came out of Pentecost that we'll celebrate next week, the coming weeks, months, and years coming out of the early church were murdered, butchered, martyred dipped in tar, set on fire, nailed to poles, and used as street lights so the Romans could walk the street at night on the way to their parties by the lights of the burning flesh of the original Christians. But the Fox's Book of Martyrs and other historical writings say that it was recorded and heard and documented that as their flesh was burning and as they were dying, burning on a pole, they were singing praises to God and declaring I will not reject him I will not deny them so the next time you think you're being persecuted because you don't get to go in and sit down while you're eating a burger you're not being persecuted but I could gotten oh y'all ain't hearing me but you're being primed little by little by little you're being primed to not make any decision until Caesar tells you you can make it remember what Jesus said Jesus said you honor Caesar he said they asked him one time they tried to trick him they said well you're all about your kingdom and all that you gonna pay taxes he said of course I'm gonna pay taxes flip that coin over and show me the face on that on that coin whose face is that and they said that's Caesar's he said well guess what that represents his provision and his, his sources. It's got his face on it. So render unto Caesar that which is Caesar. And he says, but render unto God that which is God's. Huh? You want to talk about the source? The disciples looked at him one time and said, we ain't got no money. We're supposed to, we're supposed to be honoring Caesar. We're supposed to be paying our taxes. We ain't got no money. We gave all our money away to the poor. Jesus said, let's go fishing. Come on. They just went. He said, throw your line in the water. Praise God. Pour it in the fish. I mean, they're freaking out. They're like, I got, they're going to come get me. My taxes need to be paid. And you telling us, go hang out at the lake, go fishing. He's like, trust me. Who's your daddy? Trust me. Who's got you? Trust me. Did I not tell you? I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Did I not tell you? I got you, son. Let's go fishing. Pulling the fish. Pulling the fish. This is in your bow. He says, everybody looks at him and says, y'all ready to eat fish? He said, wait a minute. We're going to still eat that fish. But before you do, I'm going to ask you to do something crazy. What is it? Open up his mouth. They looked at him like, open up a fish's mouth. He's trying to flop it off. Why I want to open his mouth? He said, just open his mouth. Shut your mouth and open his. He opened up the mouth of the fish, and inside the fish was a coin, just enough to pay the taxes. He said, now take that and go pay your taxes. Well, why did he do that? Why did he do something so crazy? That is to teach us he is our source. And it's also to teach us pastors, Preacher man, listen to me. Preacher woman, listen to me. 
You want God to bless your ministry? You want God to enable you to do what you believe that God has called you to do? Then you need to be in the business of catching fish. Because the money is in the fish's mouth. The provision is coming to you. I ain't got time to finish this sermon, I can tell. You ever heard that scripture? Preachers love to quote it at offering time. Give, and it shall be given. Press down, good measure, shaken together, running over. But then it says, shall men give into thy bosom, bring into your lap. Wait a minute, what, 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 what? I thought you said God was my source. Well, how do you think he blesses you? He blesses you through people. He blesses you through the fish. Do you believe he still heals? But he tells the fish to lay hands on you. Do you still believe he cast out devils? But he tells the fish to tell that devil to go. Final point, 11.50. Oh, see, so this is breaking all the rules, y'all. We're supposed to have been done 50 minutes ago. I'm supposed to have an hour service. Y'all, y'all supposed to already have ate and on your way home. Y'all supposed to be, I'm supposed to be getting y'all, by the way, I'm supposed to be getting y'all even earlier because of Memorial Day weekend because y'all got to get, get your party started. Y'all eating good right now? Y'all ain't good? I ain't serving no milk today, baby. I got a T-bone up in this house. Here it is. Here it is. I love the book of James. People that don't believe in holiness, they hate the book of James. People don't like to serve and work for the Lord, don't like the book of James. The book of James, one says faith without works is dead. You can run your mouth all you want to, but man, if a man is naked, you can't look at him. James said, say, clothes be on you. I'm a man of faith. I'm speaking clothes on you. No, you no, you take your jacket off and you put it on him. Are you hearing me? People don't like James. But listen how James opens up chapter one. I'm going straight to verse two because verse, verse, verse one is just like a salutation. Verse two, opening statement. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing that the test of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work. That you may be perfect and complete. Say it loud, these two words. Lacking nothing. Do you understand? I'm a, I, I think I need to read it again because some of you are dealing with a spirit of lack. The spirit of lack needs to be broken over your house. In the middle of all this, you may have lost your job. You may be on furlough. I'm not belittling that. That's very serious. But we need to believe that God has still got you. We need to believe that God is still working on your behalf. Let it work. You work. You do your best. You find your job. You do everything in your power. But you know that behind the scenes, something is working to make it a perfect work. God's got something better for you. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Notice that it didn't say when you go through a trial. It's making it very clear that as a believer, you're going to go through a lot of trials from various places. 
knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let it have its perfect worth that you are perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Here it is. If any of you during this time lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Oh, y'all ain't here. It's okay and advisable to listen to your doctor, to listen to your lawyer, to listen to those who have studied and, 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 and have made themselves in a place where they can see things and know things that you do not. You need to listen to them. But ultimately, there is one thing that is knowledge. There is another thing that is wisdom. And sometimes, wise decisions from God look a little different than the knowledge of the flesh. In other words, the Bible said, whose report are you going to believe? So if the doctor tells you, not speaking this on anybody. And if you're going through this, let this encourage you. You have cancer. You have a particular type of cancer. You have heart disease. You have kidney disease. This is that there is no cure. We'll do the best we can do to treat it. You get your house in order. Well, look. You need to take the advisement. You need to go through treatments if the Lord puts you. But, but as a believer, you need wisdom. You need to count it all joy. Some, there is a level in God where you can shout and praise God in the middle of a diagnosis like that. There is a church that can shout in the middle of a pandemic. There is a church that can grow in the middle of a quarantine. Come on, y'all hear me? The church is not going down, y'all. We're growing. Because pastors, we need wisdom. And it's good to have pastors that you can go to for advice, but ultimately, you got to hear from God on what God wants you to do for your church. If you, have, if you lack wisdom on decisions that you need to make, ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach be given to him but let him ask in faith not fear but no doubting for he who doubts what's this is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind for let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord he is a double minded man unstable in all his ways so we have to find a balance, a proper balance. The balance of listening to the advisement and heeding the safety advisement of those that this is their specialty. In other words, if I had a heart problem, I wouldn't go to a kidney doctor to advise me on how to treat my heart disease. I want to go to somebody that I know is very well known in the world of dealing with heart problems. So, if you're getting advisement from people who specialize in infectious diseases, they've studied all their life to be a part of this. They know things we don't know. So, we need to listen. We need to heed. 
We need to understand this is a serious situation. We need to treat it serious. Wipe things down. Wear gloves. Wear a mask if you feel comfortable to do that. If that's what you feel led to do. Social distance. Don't judge people who do. Don't judge people who don't. You know, what I'm saying, you know, you, you got the right to step back away from somebody. You got the right to do like one lady I saw the other day uh, when I was in Walmart. Uh, she's in line and somebody stepped up in her space. She turned around and said, that is not six feet. The guy went, oh, my bad, sorry. He just backed up a little bit. He was, he was looking at his phone and he realized. But she turned around and told him, I know what six feet is. I saw that with my own eyes. But watch this. The balance is we're still breathing, y'all. And if we're still breathing, we have a mandate from God. The mandate doesn't get put in quarantine. That's tweetable right there. You can't quarantine the Great Commission. That's even more tweetable. Now, I'm going to tell you something. During eight weeks of online church, we preached the gospel like the house was full. We sang on this stage like the house was full. Many of you logged in and did everything you could. So we didn't slow down. We did what we were supposed to do. We still are. I'm just going to close with this. I see a light at the end of the tunnel. I see a shifting coming. So get ready. I'm seeking God. I need your prayers. Because I'm slamming the door shut. That tells me I got to walk in fear. The church is no longer relevant that the government and some man, some, some woman, some group of people are my ultimate source. I may have opened those doors and you may have opened those doors, but if you open a door, you got the right to shut it. Because God didn't open it, you did. If God opened it, you can't shut it. That's what Revelation says. If God shut it, you can't open it. But the only door you can shut is the door that you've opened. Y'all hear me? Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for our church, and we thank you, Lord, for the church. We thank you, Lord, for those that are over us in the Lord and those that are over us in government. God, we thank you for our political leaders, regardless of who they are. We thank you, Lord, for the advisement of our health officials, giving us wisdom that we didn't know anything about, helping us to understand how to stay safe, how to protect our families. We're thankful for all of that, God. And God, we're also thankful and more so thankful than anything for your word. We stand upon your word. We believe this is the church's finest moment. We will shine. We will be what God has called us to be. Let our faith grow. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to stand firm midst of a global pandemic, in the midst of darkness, let us be a light. If you're here in, in this building today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, then right now is the time to do it. The Holy Spirit is drawing you to Him. If you're watching online, Facebook, YouTube, 
wherever you're watching, live or a replay, and you've made it to this point, I want you to know if your heart is not right with God, God didn't come to this world to condemn you. Neither do I. He come into this world so that you might be saved. So the Holy Spirit is drawing you. And I'm praying for you now. Everybody in this church is going to pray this prayer with me. If you're watching online, you pray it right there where you're at. Live or on a replay, it doesn't matter because it's live with God. It may not be live with me, but it's live with God. Let's all say it together in this church. Father, in the name of your son Jesus, we admit there is sin in our lives. We ask you, Lord, to forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart and save me. I confess you as my king, my Lord, and my source. From this day forward, I open the door to my heart and to of my mind to you come on in change my life here I am I'm a child of God come on give him praise right now give him praise hallelujah hallelujah